Hello and welcome to PS Pod, the official podcast of the journal CPT Pharmacometrics and Systems Pharmacology, published on behalf of the American Society for Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics, produced in association with Wiley. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the important role model-informed drug development will play in the successful implementation of PDUFA 6. I'd like to welcome my guests for this discussion and give them the opportunity now to introduce themselves. Uh, Dr. Jen, if you'll begin. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Lokesh Jen. I am a director and group lead for the oncology team uh, in the Department of Quantitative Pharmacology and Pharmacometrics at Merck. Before joining Merck, I was a team leader in the Office of Clinical Pharmacology at FDA. I have been thinking about model-informed drug development throughout my career, uh, and I am a strong supporter of this approach. Hello, everyone. My name is Larissa Wenning. I'm a senior principal scientist at Merck, located in the north suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm in the Department of Quantitative Pharmacology and Pharmacometrics, where I've spent almost 20 years now thinking about model-informed drug development. Hello, everyone. My name is Nitin Mehrotra. I am a senior principal scientist at Department of Quantitative Pharmacology and Pharmacometrics within a broader pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics, and drug metabolism organization at Merck. I am currently the scientific lead managing the neuroscience portfolio and support vaccines pipeline as well. Prior to joining Merck, I was a team leader at Division of Pharmacometrics within Office of Clinical Pharmacology at the FDA, overseeing the review activities in the area of oncology, metabolism and endocrinology, gastroenterology, inborn error products and medical countermeasures. I am very passionate about the application of MITD and its ability to innovate and truly transform the drug development and regulatory landscape. Thank you all for your participation and welcome. Dr. Jane, first question for you. What was the primary motivation for writing the perspective article, PDUFA 6, It is Time to Unleash the Full Potential of Model-Informed Drug Development, which published in the January 2019 issue of PSP? First of all, thank you, Brian, uh, for giving us the opportunity to do this podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, And to answer your question about the motivation, The primary motivation for us to write this article uh, was to share our thoughts and opportunities presented by inclusion of MIDD or Model Informed Drug Development in PADUFA 6. We believe uh, that this legislative action has provided a great opportunity for all stakeholders to come together and collectively think on how to advance the application of modeling and simulation and realize its full potential in drug development and approval decisions. We not only need to sustain the things we have been doing well, but we also need to think about the areas where role of modeling and simulation can be expanded. One such important area is generation of evidence for efficacy and benefit risk assessments in order to support approval and labeling decisions. Historically, we have relied on randomized controlled trials to generate such evidence, which is also considered as the gold standard. However, the question that we ask is, uh, could we use evidence generated from modeling and simulation to replace at least part of the data requirement or part of the clinical data requirement uh, wherever possible? Uh, We believe that it is time that modeling and simulation be considered equally among the options when thinking about approaches to generate evidence for approval. 
we have emphasized on this message in the article and we hope that this article will serve as a catalyst to initiate further discussion among stakeholders the second motivation for us to write this article was to highlight our perspective on what have been some of the obstacles in making progress and offer possible solutions and finally uh, we also wanted to share our thoughts on new or untapped opportunities uh, my colleagues dr wenning and dr merotra will get into more details on these topics but i wanted to summarize by reemphasizing that our primary goal was to generate more discussion among scientific community on how we can advance the role of modeling and simulation and it was great to see that following the publication of this article fta has also published a commentary in cptpsp on this topic of advancing model informed drug development we hope that there will be more publications in this area and we hope that this discussion will continue and will influence uh, progress in a positive way What is MIDD under the PDUFA 6 framework? What makes it such a critical element under PDUFA 6? Let me first start with MIDD in PDUFA 6 framework. MIDD or model informed drug development is included in PDUFA 6 to advance the use of modeling and simulation approaches in drug development and regulatory decision making. Specific provisions of MIDD under PDUFA 6 include FDA's commitment to conduct four workshops, uh, implement the MIDD pilot program and update guidance documents as well as policy manuals as necessary. To your question about why is MIDD element critical under PDUFA 6? It's important as it's a clear recognition of the role modeling and simulation has played in enabling efficiency in drug development. and it also shows a clear commitment from the FDA and industry to continue to invest more resources in this area and explore new opportunities for its applications to be more specific with PDUFA 6 the FDA gets additional resources to apply modeling and simulation approaches in review of new drug applications as well as resources to develop new capabilities and PDUFA 6 gives sponsors an avenue for enhanced engagement with the FDA on the topic of MIDD in particular the MIDD uh, pilot program has given sponsors the option to directly engage with the experts at FDA on applications of MIDD to inform key decisions in specific programs as well as discuss technical details if needed Finally, addition of MIDD to PDUFA 6 has also helped with getting the due attention to this topic by all functional areas within industry uh, as well as at the agency including clinical and regulatory functions. This will only further advance the use of modeling and simulation in drug development and approval and labeling decisions. Dr. Wenning, can you expand on the evidence required for drug approval? How has MIDD been used? How should it be used? The gold standard for many years has been two controlled, often double-blind, randomized phase three clinical trials that are powered to meet a pre-specified statistical criteria for the endpoint of interest and which show an adequate safety profile. There are many, many examples in recent years of useful applications of model-informed drug development or MIDD approaches, but very few where it's provided confirmatory evidence of efficacy and/or safety instead of a clinical trial for an initial drug approval. Instead, the MIDD applications have tended to provide supportive information for drug development programs rather than something that would be truly transformative. 
Many of the current examples demonstrate how MIDD can increase confidence in decisions during a development program, for example, in dose selection or provide support for assessment of benefit risk, thus increasing the confidence, for example, that a phase three trial will be successful and a good use of funds, and to support labeling, for example, around the need for dose adjustments for various factors. This is all terrific and a great use of resources, and we're not suggesting that these applications stop. We just think we can go farther. And as outlined in the PDUFA 6 goals, in some cases actually use the value of the predictive aspects of modeling and simulation to reduce the need to generate clinical trial data. Well, we have been doing MIDD for almost two decades, if not more. What has prevented realization of its full potential? Medical and biostatistical experts have traditionally played a key role in deciding what's considered acceptable evidence of effectiveness, and these decisions often follow established precedent and regulations. As a result, the fundamental view on what's considered acceptable evidence, namely replicate, randomized, controlled clinical trials that meet a pre-specified statistical criteria, hasn't changed much since the 1970s. These medical and biostatistical experts are not usually also experts in modeling and simulation approaches, so evidence for modeling and simulation is often considered as secondary and supportive. Although modeling is based on clinical data, it's often perceived with skepticism versus results from a large-scale phase 3 clinical trial. In addition, there's a lack of consensus on standards among key regulatory agencies across the world, which results in uneven acceptance of these approaches. For a company that's seeking a global market, the tendency then is to design a clinical program around the more conservative regulatory viewpoints. So in other words, let's just run the phase 3 clinical trials rather than take a risk on modeling and simulation approaches as pivotal evidence. Finally, there's a challenge in acceptance of model-based approaches by physicians and by payers. Again, the end goal of a drug development program is usually to have a product that will be widely used, which will not be the case if an approval is not followed by reimbursed payers and acceptance by prescribing physicians. There's a perception, at least, that reimbursement and acceptance are more difficult in the absence of clinical trial data, which limits the utility of modeling and simulation approaches. What steps can we take to overcome these barriers that have prevented full realization of MIDD potential? Uh, Brian, thanks for the question. Dr. Venning has nicely laid out the main barriers that in our view have limited the ability to realize the full potential of MIDD. But before that, it is very important to acknowledge what Dr. Jan had mentioned earlier about significant success that MIDD has already had on drug development, therapeutic and regulatory decisions across several therapeutic areas. The next question is how we can best position ourselves to build on that success and take MIDD to a next level. Uh, let us discuss the potential solutions to these barriers one by one. First, Dr. Venning talked about the barrier around medical and biostatistical experts driving key decisions and lack of or limited familiarity of modeling and simulation approaches by these experts often leading to situations where modeling and simulation based decisions are considered supportive and less compelling. A change in this paradigm will only occur if decision makers in the regulatory agency and industry including medical experts, show more openness in discussing the utility of modeling and simulation, rely on appropriate experts for the technical know-how, are willing to deviate from precedent based on scientific merits of a new approach, and are transparent about why modeling and simulation is not accepted for certain decisions. 
In a recent commentary by the FDA authors in PSP titled A Holistic and Integrative Approach for Advancing Model Informed Drug Development, the authors have also reiterated the importance of stakeholder engagement and opportunity of a dialogue in a multidisciplinary setting as a key attribute to successful application of MIDD. In addition, more needs to be done in terms of cross-learning from therapeutic areas where modeling and simulation has had significant impact and applying to areas where application of modeling and simulation is still evolving. Secondly, to enable global harmonization of MIDD approaches, standardization of methods, models and expectations for reporting which could foster a culture of transparency and clear communication, enabling greater acceptance of modeling and simulation among decision makers, particularly for those with less experience in modeling and simulation approaches. Such discussions at relevant avenues such as scientific conferences or workshops led by regulatory agencies will help sponsor understand the expectations from a regulatory perspective. Since majority of the clinical development programs are now global, harmonization amongst regulatory agencies is needed on standards and decision influenced. Although it is unrealistic to expect complete harmonization on MIDD applications across the globe, a step towards understanding the differences and clear communication will encourage the industry and regulators to develop innovative ideas. Lastly, one cannot understate the value of acceptance of modeling and simulation-based labeling and therapeutic decisions by physicians and payers. The key question is, from physicians and payers' perspective, will recommendations based on modeling and simulation replace the empirical evidence based on observed clinical trial results to enable the therapeutic treatment and also reimbursement to patients? I believe that in this area, more needs to be done in terms of communication and education at various forums. One way to approach would be to present modeling and simulation-based approval and labeling decisions through symposiums at clinical conferences to interact with physicians and also find appropriate venues to communicate with the payers as well. In summary, with technological advances and years of experience with modeling and simulation approaches, now is a better time than ever to overcome these barriers and make transformative changes to enable MIDD. What are other newer or untapped opportunities that you see for MIDD in the next decade? It's a great question, Brian. There are several new opportunities that can be tapped into with focused MIDD thinking. For example, Padufa 6 calls out topics such as utilization of real-world data and complex innovative designs to facilitate drug development or regulatory decisions. Both these areas, as highlighted by agency, underscores their commitment in pushing the envelope to innovate the drug development and regulatory landscape. FDA is evaluating how real-world data is an important tool not only for evaluating safety of medications, but also their effectiveness. 
the RCT duplicate project mandated by 21st Century Cures Act and funded by FDA Center for Drug Evaluation and Research originally looked to replicate findings from 30 previously completed clinical trials using real-world data but now aims to prognosticate the outcomes of seven ongoing post-marketing studies. Acknowledging that real-world data has its own share of challenges such as data quality, data generated primarily in an uncontrolled setting, and challenge to tease out effectiveness signal of the medication from other confounding factors, it provides a real opportunity for pharmacometrics community to leverage technical know-how of combining data from various diverse sources and use advanced modeling techniques to identify signal of effectiveness of the medication after accounting for factors such as baseline covariates, co-medications, etc. In the area of complex innovative trial designs, there is a real opportunity for pharmacometricians and statisticians to collaborate and push the envelope in this space in terms of adaptive trial designs and trials with model-based endpoints. Additionally, there are other untapped and newer opportunities as highlighted in our article that are worth mentioning. There are opportunities to apply MIDD to newer therapeutic areas, influencing clinical trial designs in terms of endpoint and trial duration, influencing regulatory policy for approvals, amongst other things. For example, application of pharmacometrics in vaccines, drug discovery and development decisions is relatively new but quite promising. This has already resulted in increased probability of success, better scientific understanding, and other benefits that have been seen in other therapeutic areas that have adopted pharmacometric strategies. The impact of this work has included go and no-go decisions, design of efficient preclinical and clinical trials, dose selection, and integration of data across multiple trials for more informed decision-making. From a trial design standpoint, for example, in the Alzheimer's disease area, modeling and simulation analysis using item response theory has been shown to provide more power to detect treatment effect than traditional method of analysis using composite score. In oncology, modeling and simulation approaches have been applied to evaluate the adequacy of response evaluation criteria in solid tumors, also known as resist in determining disease progression in patients receiving immunotherapy treatment. Similarly, modeling and simulation analysis of integrated data from multiple trials for acute schizophrenia indications led to recommendation that the duration of registration trial for atypical antipsychotics for the treatment of schizophrenia can be shortened to 4 weeks instead of typical duration of 6 weeks. Furthermore, there are several examples where FDA has taken innovative approaches to define key regulatory policies. One such recent example was in the area of epilepsy, where FDA used modeling and simulation analysis to demonstrate that in children with partial onset seizures aged 4 years and greater, efficacy can be fully extrapolated from adults, which obviated the need of efficacy trials in children 4 years and older. In essence, the landscape of MIDD application is very fertile in terms of exploring newer avenues and impacting decisions. As Dr. Jen alluded earlier in his remarks, 
that the value proposition of modeling and simulation is acknowledged in the PDUFA 6 reauthorization, which provides an excellent opportunity for industry and regulators to collaborate in further advancing the applications of MIDD, potentially changing drug development paradigms. Thank you, Dr. Mahatra, and thanks to Drs. Venning and Jan for this thoughtful discussion. And thanks also to our listeners for joining us today. This has been PS Pod, the official podcast of the journal PSP, published on behalf of the ASCPT by Wiley. I'm Brian Coughlin. Please join us again next time.